Today in Agronomy on KFILAM AM 1060 with Pioneer Field Agronomist Allie Wise and Josh Schaffner. Here's Josh and Allie. Good morning, Southeast Minnesota. It's September 30th, uh, 2020, and this is episode 42. Uh, Allie, last episode of September here. Um, you know, we had a pretty nice growing season. We talked about kind of trending ahead on crop progression most of the season, even though GDUs were kind of, you know, maybe average, but early planting dates were in our favor. And, um, you know, corn and soybean harvest has started across the area. Maybe thought we'd start just kind of what you're seeing for, for harvest progress and maybe a little inkling on what you're seeing for performance across the southeast Minnesota. Yeah, so I think overall, it's just nice to see the work that we have been able to get done here in the month of September, obviously drastically different than last year. On the soybean side of things, at the current state and time, we're still a touch in that holding pattern, unfortunately, you know, just waiting for some of these, the sun to come out a little bit more, uh, keep this wind, keeping those beans at a nice harvestable moisture. Um, but as folks have dug in, I know we we updated everyone earlier on that the early maturity beans planted early were really producing some nice yields as we moved into the mid group ones and then even pushing closer to some of those group twos. Uh, we have seen that yield hold strong consistently. So in my opinion, I, you know, if that trend can continue, um, still pretty happily surprised with, with yields we're seeing um, in terms of beans across the area. And then early harvest wise on the corn side of things, we've dug into a lot of our 94 day, um, 94, 92 AM, and then a touch of our 9880 across the area, so 9998Q. Um, and so far, like I said, even in some of those areas that we were maybe a little bit more moisture stressed than other areas, I think you definitely see that variability throughout the field. But um, yields are holding in there uh, pretty strong, in my opinion, but obviously a lot more harvest to come. What would be your take as you move to the east? Yeah, it's a bit of a, a similar story. And um, I know I talked about soybeans uh, earlier on, I was just more curious of as we we keep climbing maturity uh, based on some dry dry times in August. There, would we see yields continue to climb or plateau? And and I think the initial inkling is that things are going to continue to go uh, maybe a little bit stronger as you get into some of the, the the more full season beans kind of coming out of this little um, holding pattern. We're in with some moisture and a little bit damp here. I think majority of the beans all maturity as are going to be ready to go here. Um, so I think once we get back in the field on beans, we'll, we'll, we'll hit all the maturities and we'll have a, a good report to see kind of what the maturity spread was there. Um, on the corn side of things, um, uh, really exciting on some of the moistures of the corn. And, you know, last year we fought moisture all fall long alley. It was just kind of a struggle. Um, you know, we're probably a good three weeks ahead of last year on corn harvest and especially some of the moisture of the crop. Um, but really, um, you know, some of the strategies and not just reacting to last year, but it seemed like we've had some tough falls, but you know, it's really working out well. We've taken, like you said, the, the 94 day and, and five and 96 day maturities. We planted them early and uh, now we're out there harvesting early. And in some cases, uh, um, you know, yesterday alley, I, I was in some 96 day corn on corn that was running 21% or actually 19% even uh, uh, going to town, which is is pretty awesome for this time of year. Um, but again, a strategy as we, we move forward of, um, Performance of some of these early hybrids. Uh, you referenced a couple in there, uh, P9492 AM and, and even P9608 Chrome on the corn on corn side there. Um, really working out well so far, but um, you know, really the strategy works good at planting them early. We can maintain some really strong yields, but really the moisture and being able to, um, you know, the guys that are in holding pattern on beans and be able to switch over and jump some corn, which has been really nice. But uh, some of the things there, but um, Allie, we've had a few questions um, from, from customers. I always like to go through these. Number one, uh, uh, I'm just going to throw the question to you. What's going on with these random one-off green beans in my field, Allie? It's kind of been a, a question we've seen. It's not a big deal, but we just want to 
maybe discuss what we're, why we're seeing those random one-off green plants out there. Yeah. And, you know, it certainly does catch your eye. And as we across the area, I think there's some varieties that maybe show the visual symptomology a little, it's easier to pick them out than others, especially dependent on how mature some of those fields are. Um, but as we've been able to actually assess some of these greener plants throughout the field, and we have somewhat come to a conclusion, this is widely distributed. So we've had agronomists, you know, farther to the west of us, across the border into Iowa, everyone is seeing a similar thing. So um, you can bring on some of this, some of these greener plants by, you know, a, a variety of different viral infections. Um, sometimes even just the environmental factors or stresses you th see throughout a season could bring this on. Um, but in the case of this, as we look at some of these greener plants, if you look at the upper portion of those plants, you might see some, um, some of the pods that are a little bit stunted or shorter. Um, so we are attributing that to a more textbook case of tobacco ring spot virus. Um, and like you said, it could be a variety of different viruses and very randomized throughout the field. I would say less than 1%. Uh, we don't expect this to be yield limiting. And I think, you know, even though it's maybe catching your eye a little bit more in some cases than other, as we, we get to the point of actually running that through the combine, I, I, I do firmly believe it's going to be a mute point, I guess. Am I, am I off on that, Josh? No, and, and even is it 1% is, I think it's probably a quarter of 1% is what it boils down <laughs> to. But uh, yeah, we've had a lot of questions on it, but yeah, just some random virus infections. It happens some years more than others and uh, not going to be a big deal. Um, Allie, I've had a few questions, um, you know, always that time of year, uh, fall weed control, um, some alfalfa acres coming out. I've had that question just kind of, should I, should I spray it off, not spray it off? Uh, I always encourage growers, if you know you're going to take a alfalfa field out next year, uh, certainly want to spray that off. I also get the question of what is too late. I might want to take a cutting here quick. Um, in some cases with nice weather, we can roll that application into early October if we get a nice day. But the more freezing nights we get, that alpha gets, alfalfa gets to dormancy, we can run into some tr uh, troubles getting that alfalfa to kill as good as we want. But uh, some glyphosate 2,4-D crop oil will take care of that. And uh, when we come out of break alley, we'll maybe talk a little bit about fall fertilizer as the crop comes off. <laughs> 